0: and fulfillment let's get started with soul talk welcome folks welcome to another very special episode of the soul talk podcast i'm really excited to introduce my special guest today she is a poet an activist author speaker educator lebanese activist Najwa zebian welcome to soul talk
1: thank you so much for having me i'm really excited for this conversation
0: yeah, it's, it's really great to have you on. I was given your book uh, uh, a while back and really just was touched by your, your, your writing, your authenticity, your vulnerability, uh, your journey, uh, your, poet, your poetry too, really, really touched me and I felt just just touched a deep part of me. So just looking forward to seeing where the conversation goes. I'm a, a wannabe poet myself, my favorite poets, uh, Hafez, you know, Rumi. Yes, I, I, I'm. I'm not so airs. So uh, whenever uh, I read poetry and I'm touched by it, I'm always very excited. So thanks for coming on and saying yes. Um, so I, I would love to just start in the at the beginning. You know, some of my audience may not know or read of your work and your poetry and your novels. So I'm curious about your journey as well. Like, uh, how did it begin? What 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 inspired you to move into the field of writing and speaking and teaching and inspiring? How did that journey begin? Was it something that was always the case? Did you grow up with it? Was there a moment? Kind of take us back to the beginning a bit.
1: Yeah. So my journey with writing didn't begin at one certain moment, I wouldn't say. I think it was a series of moments and circumstances that just aligned in a way where, writing was just the path for me to myself. So my story is a story of search for home from a very young age. And I don't mean home in the physical sense, I mean home in the sense of, I wanted to be loved and welcomed and cared for and prioritized um, just for who I am without having to try very hard to earn that. Yes. Without having to change parts of who I am and how I am as a person to feel those things. And, you know, when you're a child and you experience that kind of exclusion where you see kids around you feeling loved and cared for and included and they're being prioritized, um, And you aren't experiencing that. You don't know how to put words to it. So in a way, you internalize it as, well, something must be wrong with me. You don't Mm -hmm. know what you don't know as a child. So I had the realization a few years ago, I'm 31 now, um, I would say at around the age of 25, 26, that uh, I had been looking for home in other people. And that I had been living my life through the belief that home is outside of me, that being welcomed should be by others. If if someone else loves me, then that means I deserve to be loved. If someone else sees that I matter to them, then I matter. If someone else sees that I deserve to be prioritized than, then I feel that I deserve to be prioritized. So my feelings of um, self-worth and self-esteem and self-acceptance and all of that, or states of self-esteem and all that was external to me. It was dependent on other people, not on myself. And so I realized that I had been abandoning myself to be welcomed by others. And I realized that I had been investing so much of myself in others with the hope that the return for that investment was that they would welcome me into their lives and see me as worthy and all that. So that's my journey, you know, summarized. And to give you a little more detail, um, I started writing when I was 13. I was living in Lebanon at the time. Yeah, I was... (laughs) born and Uh raised in Lebanon the only Uh one in my family and um, you know after going through a childhood of feeling like I was constantly surrounded by adults and that I had to always be mature and be the bigger person and my feelings and and emotions were not validated and that's not to say anything negative about my family or anything it's more you know, the priority at the time was physical safety and making sure I went to the best schools. And it's just, you know, now that I've grown older, I see that my parents were doing the best they can. And they were loving me the way that they thought I needed to be loved. But I always knew that I felt too much and that those feelings weren't given a safe space to be expressed so I just kept them on the inside because if I expressed them I felt that I was not being the mature person I was expected to be or that I was being ungrateful or that something was wrong with feeling so much so when I started writing at 13 it was in my journal and in that journal it was the first time in my life that I felt that it was okay for me to talk about what was, what I was experiencing internally and there was no one to judge me and say, that's too much. You shouldn't be feeling that way. You should know better. It was more of a, a beautiful way to just validate the way that I was feeling and to give myself a voice and to in turn hear myself without expecting someone else to do that. And so my journal became my home, and it went with me everywhere I went. At that time, I was living with different relatives because my parents were going back and forth between Lebanon and Canada. So I lived with many relatives, and my journal was the only stable space for me to just feel like there is a, any sense of security for me. So it stayed with me in my backpack at all times. And then fast forward three years, I moved to Canada to be with my family because they were all here at the time. And I came here just to visit them, but then the war broke out in Lebanon and all of a sudden I had to stay in Canada and I just felt that I had no choice in that, even though I was grateful to be in a country where you know, I'd be able to do whatever I wanted in university. There's just so much more options and ways to grow. But as a 16 year old who was just, Ripped, you know, from the place that I had been in my whole life. I felt betrayed in a way and I didn't know who to blame. So I blamed myself as I had for so long. So I stopped writing because writing meant that I was so aware of how I was feeling, but I I was also very aware that there was nothing I could do to change my situation. So I just ripped up my journal and I said, I'm never writing again. And then Seven years later, I became a teacher and my very first group of students were a group of uh, refugees who had just arrived from Libya. And I remember the first day that I met them, I saw the look on their faces and it resembled the look I had when I was a 16 year old you know, having arrived here and feeling so out of place. And what am I doing here? I don't want to be here. I don't belong here. I, all that stuff. And I wanted to something inside of me just wanted to scream and say, you do belong here. You don't need to fight for a space here. You don't need to prove that you deserve to be here. So I started writing to inspire my students to feel empowered and to feel, Like they do have a place here and the rest is history. That's when I began writing again. And as I was helping them heal through my words, I was helping my 16 year old self heal and I haven't stopped since then.
0: Wow. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. You know, the sense of home uh, is is an interesting quality. It's an interesting feeling, um, I can relate in many ways. My my father's from Ghana, my mother's Japanese. I grew up in London, came mm-hmm. to the U- U.S. when I was 18, you know, didn't feel like I was from anywhere yet, felt like I was from everywhere. And so there was always this sense of where is home, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm curious how you, what did you learn and how you learned to cultivate that sense of home feeling at home, being at home um, share a bit about that process
1: Yeah, so with the the realization that I had been searching for home and others and building it in others, I it hit me more like uh, how it was it was. It was like a storm I probably never experienced in real life. But to realize that home is within, that it's nowhere outside of me, it's not in a place, it's not in a person, it's not in a stage of life, it's not in a state of mind, it's a home is within, my home is within me and it goes with me everywhere I go. That emotional safety that I'd been looking for, the definition of myself that I'd been looking for, the space where I could validate myself and where I could fully and authentically be myself was within me, within my own body. It was all up to me and not up to anyone or anything else. Home is me. I am home everywhere I go. So... The process of building a home that I came up with and wrote about in Welcome Home is it was my way of trying to take that beautiful analogy of being your own home and putting it into practical steps. And for me, the most important thing right at the beginning was realizing that it's not that I needed to learn what being at home meant because I knew being at home with myself meant that I loved myself that I forgave myself and others that I knew who I was authentically and that I operated from that place that I never betrayed myself or abandoned myself I knew all of those things and so I I asked myself like Nezwa, since you know all of those things what's the missing piece like why is it that you know these things and you can talk to people about them and you can teach people what they mean and how they can do those things but when it comes to your own life you make excuses for people and you say oh but this is different my situation is different you don't act from a place of self-love you don't act from a place of being there for yourself and prioritizing yourself and trusting yourself and so what's the missing piece the missing piece is that I didn't know who I was I didn't take the time to ask myself who are you authentically and I didn't take the time to accept myself I didn't take the time to fully say, this is who I am. And I have nothing to be ashamed of. I am I accept myself fully and radically. And I'm aware of not just who I am in this moment, but the, the journey that brought me up to this point. I'm very aware of it. I'm aware of my triggers. I'm aware of my nature as a person. I'm aware of the patterns I follow. I hadn't taken the time to learn those things about myself and so I put those two elements of self-acceptance and self-awareness as the foundation of your home like so everything else that you build on top like the rooms or the chapters of self-love and forgiveness and compassion and clarity and surrender and the dream guard and all of that has to be Mm -hmm. built on a solid foundation of who you authentically are in a state of fully accepting that authentic self of yours and fully being aware of it. And then what comes before building that foundation is understanding why you've spent your life searching for home outside of you. Because if you have beliefs about yourself that lead you to believing that home is outside of you, you need to go back to the moments when you started forming those beliefs and break them down and ask yourself, why did I form those beliefs? And are they true? And probably 100% of the time, they're not true. Those limiting beliefs of, I don't deserve love. I'm not enough unless I get this or that. I'm not, okay unless i reach this stage in life or whatever it is those are all beliefs we form at such a young age based on circumstances that we had little to no control over so the road to home is the introduction in welcome home because it takes you back to those stories that formed those beliefs and You pave the road metaphorically to your home by breaking down those beliefs from roadblocks into road bricks. And instead of continuing to operate from a place of those beliefs that oftentimes push you to abandon yourself, to be welcomed by others, instead of doing those things, now you are moving towards yourself. You are moving towards your home. That's your very long answer yeah, to your very beautiful. short question. That's
0: beautiful. If let's Thank say you. someone's listening and they're mm-hmm. and, and they're like, okay, okay I, I, yes, accept myself, accept myself, love myself, the foundation. I get it. I understand. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and 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 they genuinely, let's say they're genuinely trying, right? And 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 they're, they're reading the books and they're going to the seminars and but it's still an intellectual concept and they mm-hmm. can't connect maybe they, they don't but they, they say to you i get it but i don't feel it sure. mm-hmm. i do not i don't i don't see i i know i should love myself and i do the things but i don't feel that inside and mm-hmm. maybe they have some references because this happened or that happened or my mom left and and so can could you say, is there anything you can say, what, what can you say to that person who there's this kind of a disconnect, right, between the understanding and like, I don't I don't feel like a person. So mm-hmm. What can they do anything? What can they do? What 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 words of inspiration advice do you have for them?
1: If it took you 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, if you've spent that much time believing Mm. that you don't deserve love or that you don't deserve someone staying or that you don't deserve to be valued or that you don't deserve a certain job or a certain amount of money or whatever it is, if you spent that much time believing that unbelieving that and unlearning that will not happen in a moment it's going to take time so it think of the tape that plays in your mind that tells you that same story you don't deserve this you don't deserve that think of the first thing that comes to your mind when you mess up like oh what's wrong with you or how could i have done this or think of the first things that you hear internally when you do anything in life with the way that you operate in your daily life and remember that if you've memorized those tapes or those words that you say to yourself because you've said them over and over and over it's going to take time for you to change that into positive things that you believe and positive statements and Disconnecting yourself from what happened to you in the past, it's going to be an active process of unlearning and rewriting and reinventing how you see yourself. And it's going to feel extremely uncomfortable at first because your comfort has been with the belief that you don't deserve X, Y, and Z. And now you're moving out of your comfort zone into believing more new things about yourself and two things could be true. You could be extremely uncomfortable with those new beliefs and with taking the time to internalize them. That could be true. And another thing could be true that you are actively moving towards those beliefs. You are choosing to go through that messy part of feeling like, oh, this doesn't sit right with me. I don't feel like I love myself by doing this. But on a logical level, you know that that is the right thing to do for yourself out of self-love. Like, so when I say self-love, I don't mean just the act of saying I love myself. It's through action, Action. right? Like it's, it's showing yourself through action that you love yourself. So to give you an example, if you were to be in a situation where someone asks you to do something that you're not comfortable doing Mm -hmm. if you are a people pleaser you are very likely to justify saying yes because you want to please the other person and that in itself is a form of self-abandonment because you are leaving yourself and what you know is right for you so that you could please someone else. So in this instant, self-love means putting yourself ahead of what someone else is going to feel as a result of you loving yourself. So if you haven't done that your whole life, it will feel like you're a selfish person when you do that. You won't feel like I do love myself. It's because you haven't defined self-love in that way. So for anyone listening, it's going to take time and it's going to take a complete willingness on your part to risk leaving the version of yourself that operated from a place of... Wanting to please others and not wanting to cause trouble and not wanting to burden others, you're taking the risk of leaving that version of yourself behind and walking towards the version of yourself that you know is your authentic self. And the in-between part Mm. is going to be messy and you might feel lost and unanchored that's why so many of us for example will leave a toxic situation and go back to it because the familiarity of it is so much better than the unfamiliarity of nothing of not knowing where we're headed so just giving yourself that acknowledgement that yeah it's scary it's messy it's it doesn't it doesn't happen overnight and I'm not going to just fully be comfortable with being my authentic self out of the blue, just mm-hmm. giving yourself that validation really helps.
0: Yeah. I think also giving us so being patient with ourselves as well. is what mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. What about forgiveness? Uh, I know you, you write a bit about forgiveness. And, and I think mm-hmm. All of us as human beings, we've, in quotation marks, we, we've messed up, we've done things we regret. And I think one of the things that can sometimes uh, inhibit or, or limit our ability to, to accept ourselves or love ourselves is we justify it with, well, I did that or I'm a bad person or, or you know, look at all these things that I did in my past that, that I'm not proud of. And so how does someone forgive themselves? When, the well, when, when when if they feel that there are some real things in life that they point to and they say, I did this shit and I can't forgive myself for this because I really <laughs> hurt someone and I, I can't forgive myself or I'm having a hard time actually forgiving myself.
1: Mm-hmm. So self-forgiveness is not a one-time thing where you look back at an event and you say, you know, I really hurt that person and I need to forgive myself for it and put it behind me. And it doesn't just happen like that, where you say, that's it. I've decided to forgive myself and forget about it. And now I can move forward and be free of it. It's the same with forgiving someone else for a way that they wronged us. Sometimes forgiveness takes years. It's a process of every time that memory bubbles up to the surface, you remind yourself that, It happened there is absolutely nothing that you could do to go back and change it so it's there's a radical acceptance element of it too is just accepting that what happened happened that there's nothing to that you can do to change it absolutely at all if you can apologize to the person apologize if you can fix something that maybe you've taken something from someone If you can give it back to them, give it back to them. If you can fix something that you broke, try to fix it. But if you've done everything that you can do to make sure that you, in whatever way, reverse that mistake, maybe reverse is not the right word, but make up for the pain that you caused someone or... Make up for the pain that you caused to yourself. If there is a way, do it. Mm. And once you're done, the only thing that's left is letting go of the control that that memory has over you. If that memory is constantly making you feel ashamed, you have to do something about that because living in shame keeps you in a place of darkness and keeps you in a place of believing that something is wrong with you. Not that you did something wrong, but that something is wrong with you. And you're punishing yourself and stopping yourself from moving forward with your life. And it's not changing that mistake. It's not fixing that mistake. The best thing that you can do for yourself as a form of forgiveness And this is a a big misconception about forgiveness. Mm. We think if we forgive someone or if we forgive ourselves, then we're saying that what we did or what they did was okay. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness isn't coming to terms with, yeah, maybe it wasn't that bad. No, forgiveness is simply that that memory, that event, that moment no longer has power and control over the current moment that we have. The present moment that we have it's just about letting go of the chains that are holding us to that event so you can every time you go back to it in your mind you can acknowledge that was wrong they shouldn't have done that or i shouldn't have done that i didn't deserve that or they didn't deserve that you can acknowledge those things and say i've done what i can to make up for it, I've done what I can to show genuine remorse, I've done what I can to make sure that I will never do this again. And the forgiveness part is the moving on part and letting go of the power that that moment has over my current life right now. And and that helps you move towards radical acceptance of the past and radical acceptance of yourself and not continuously judging yourself for what you've done or for, for what others did to you in the past. So I hope that helps. Yeah, with- absolutely. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. What, what do you do when you feel confused or lost or unsure about life, something, Yeah, you know, God, I'm feeling so lost. I'm feeling so confused or not sure what to do in this moment. Like, what do you do? How how do you navigate those moments of the unknown curious?
1: When I feel confused, I talked about this in the clarity chapter in Welcome Home. When I initially was writing Welcome Home, the clarity chapter was titled the confusion chapter. (laughs) And then... I decided to change some titles around because I wanted them to have you know, the end goal that we are aiming for. So when you are confused, you go to the clarity room in your home or the clarity chapter. And confusion stems from too much input that we are not processing or that we are not taking time to reflect on or to think about, or to make sense of. And we just, there's indecision there about certain things. And so we just become extremely confused. We don't know what's going on. We don't trust ourselves enough to believe our own perception of reality or our own experiences. And we might be, you know, depending on someone else to tell us how we should be feeling or what kind of permission we have to respond to certain events a certain way and so you just you don't know who to depend on you don't know who to go to to get that sense of clarity on the situation so when I'm confused what I do is I give myself space and silence to listen to what's going on inside of me what are the stories I'm telling myself what are the words that are coming up to the surface within what what's that narrative that I keep replaying over and over and I try to separate myself as an as an authentic being from what those voices are telling me and I try to be the manager of those voices as opposed to identifying with them as that's my reality so it's kind of a meditative practice where you constantly have to snap yourself back from believing everything that your ego is telling you and that the voices within are telling you to saying, oh, that's interesting that that's crossing my mind. You know, that's that's an interesting thought. That's an interesting emotion. And you sit with it and try to figure out where it's coming from. And you ask yourself, you know, what's the event that elicited this emotion? What's the event that elicited this thought? And is it true? Most, time it's not, most times it's not true. But if it were true, is there something that I can do about it? And most times there's nothing that you can do about it. And if there is, then do it. And if there isn't, then you understand it's out of your control. And if it's out of your control, you are just investing your time, you know, it, it's like you're using a hammer to break down a wall that is unbreakable, and you are just wasting your energy, you're hurting yourself and your situation isn't changing so i do that i go through that process of trying to listen to myself before i go and talk to someone else that i really trust i try to make sense of my situation on my own at first mm-hmm. and then i would go out and speak to someone who knows me really well and i know has my best interest and I verbalize what what I'm experiencing and that really helps me reach a level of clarity with whatever situation I'm experiencing. And I, I notice many times the reason that I'm so confused is that I'm trying to make sense of a certain situation in a way that doesn't push me to make a really tough decision because I'm scared of making a really tough decision. You know, and so I, when I when that's the case and I acknowledge that, then I, I ask myself, like, do I want to pl- stay in a place of like being in denial of what reality is just so that I could keep what I have? Do I want to yeah. continue feeling this way or do I want to just rip the bandaid and, and mm-hmm. say <laughs> this is the truth and I, I have to accept it? That's the only way to achieve clarity.
0: Yeah. Why is it so? I was going to ask you something else, but you mentioned the word truth. That's one of my, my, my favorite words, even though yeah. it can be a challenging thing. Like, what, why is it so hard to accept the truth? Because, in so many ways, as human beings, we were addicted to sort of maybe being in a comfort zone or familiarity, as you mentioned. And we talk about the truth, but some people are, some of us were so. Uh, entrenched in an identity or a way of doing things, a relationship, a set pattern that it's hard to even determine. We don't even know that we're lying to ourselves. And so if someone is stuck in a pattern of, they, they, okay, they hear, they hear us saying acknowledge the truth, feel the truth, but they don't even know that they're not telling the truth. Well, what do they do? Where do they start? How do they even begin if they're so caught up in that loop of, I don't want to say unconsciousness, but they're just not conscious that they're, they're not telling the truth. They think that what they're living is the reality. Yeah?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think we do that out of fear that if we were to really accept the truth, mm-hmm. that we have to make certain decisions that will cost us certain people that will cost us certain relationships that will cost us a certain level of comfort. So we choose to continue being in denial and to put limits on what that truth is. Like it has to be the absolute truth so that we could justify not making those decisions and not doing the hard things that we know that we need to do. I think that's one of the biggest reasons that we struggle with seeing truth and and living as if it is the actual truth you know and and to to take it to a more practical level say uh, say someone's in an abusive relationship right you you hear the same things usually like well i know they're doing their best and i know they're going through a hard time and you know we have good times and I know that, you know, they don't mean it when they say this or that, or I know that they take it out on me because they trust me or you hear that same narrative from so many people, right? Do you think that that person on the inside doesn't actually know that what's going on is wrong? They do know it's wrong. They feel that it's wrong. They feel that it's abusive, but they stop Mm -hmm. themselves from saying things like that is wrong because they know that if they do, then that means they have to make the hard decision of walking away. And when you feel like you have that addiction to a person or that fear of who you will be without that person, it's easier for you to justify staying in that reality than it is for you to justify leaving. So I hope that makes sense as an yeah. example. Yeah. yeah.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to shift gears a bit. Um, I'm always fascinated with writers and, you know, I've written two books, but I don't enjoy the process of writing and, uh, and I love the way you write. And so thank you. Um, I'm kind of fascinated, you know, writers are like my heroes in, in some way, because I tend to just sit down and it's, 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 I can do it. I can make myself get into a flow, but I I just much prefer speaking and free forming. And so I'm curious about like your your creative process. Like how do you, what is your creative process for like writing? And how do you find inspiration? How do you, Tell me like, yeah, let's start, let's start there. Tell me what your creative process is. How do you even begin writing? What's your writing process?
1: Well, this might upset you and it might upset some people, but. Oh, this
0: is, is, (laughs) tell me.
1: (laughs) I don't have a process. I, I naturally think very much and feel very much. And my Mm. process is just sitting down and capturing the feeling or the thought exactly as it is. And comes to me as it comes and I just write it out and I will spend hours sometimes trying to formulate one thought or one feeling or one just state of mind or state of heart or and it will feel like it's 10 minutes I don't feel like it's a struggle I feel like I enjoy that process you know I don't force myself to sit down and write many times i i will find myself sitting down with a pen and paper you know hoping that i would get some inspiration to write something down but it's i never try to force it it i just i am readily available whenever that thought or whatever it is comes to me and i sit down and write it so
0: Do you ever get create do you ever feel a block or feel creative block and you're just staring at the laptop or (laughs) journal? You're like, nothing's coming through. I mean, do you ever is there ever that moment or it's just kind of a flow?
1: I mean, I go through times where I feel like I need to take some time away from trying to write something and maybe thinking about it and feeling it, and I just know that it will come to me. Um, but I don't, I don't. I wouldn't define it as a writer's block. I would define it as it, it is part of the process. Like maybe I have, a,
0: right.
1: I have something that needs to be written, but it's not ready yet. And I give it time and, and it just comes to me. I don't try to push, my, push the idea to come. I just mm. give it the time that it needs and the contemplation and reflection that I need to be doing.
0: So maybe you step back and just give it a, a moment of space. I like what you said, that it, it's, it's not even a block. It's, it's that, that in quotation marks, block is part of the process. And I think I'm just reframing that in my mind of like, I'm imagining myself writing and feeling a block, but kind of feeling yeah, maybe- into how it feels if I embrace it, as you're saying, like, oh, okay, this is just part of the process. Maybe something needs to germinate or marinate inside of me a bit more.
1: Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, you need to give it more time to formulate itself. You need to give it more time to, you know, just come to life. You can't how, force it.
0: How do you know what is, let's say, a, like a, a, a good idea? Because let's say you have all these ideas. Oh, I could write about this. I could write about that. I could write a new book about this. How do you know that you've, I, I guess, how do you know something is authentic for you? Like, yes, this is right. This is, this is the, the, the vein to go down. You know, this is the book. This is the thing. Is, this is it.
1: That's how I feel. Exactly. I will, oh. I'll just, I'll, I just know. Like when I wrote, there's one part in Welcome Home. It's in the clarity chapter. Um, I called it Stop Looking for a Speck of Dust in the Ocean. When I wrote that, I knew, like as soon as I finished it, I said, this is one of the most powerful pieces I've ever written. I just knew because it stemmed from me going through a very difficult time trying to get closure on a certain situation. And I wrote that as my closure. Wow. And I, with the power that I wrote it, there was an acknowledgement of of how painful it was. There was an acknowledgement of how difficult it is to move on from a situation where you didn't get closure, but how important it is to see closure as the, the event that happened as opposed to the reason why that event happened, because looking for the reason is just trying to justify that you deserved the pain in some way Mm -hmm. You just have to see it as it is and accept it as it is and say, you know what, that was wrong, but I'm not going to continue to ask why did that happen? Why did that happen? It happened. Take that as your closure. And so when when I wrote that piece, I just remember feeling so elated and so like I, I just I knew that was going to be one of the most powerful pieces and it and it is and continues
0: to be. I love that. I, I like, I really, I wrote down something you just said. I think it could be like a bumper sticker or something. Like, <laughs> it, it happened. This is your closure. You know, it's just, boom. Yes. Like, yes, yes. You want closure? It happened. Be with that, accept that. Just, that's just straight to the heart of things. Yes. Um, in terms of creativity, you know, I think, many times we sometimes doubt that as creative beings, like, okay, if I put my, my, my art out into the world, like how, how will I make money? Can I, can Mm -hmm. I survive, you know, survival issues around creativity? And so I'm curious how, what, what your relationship has been to that, your relationship to money. And, and because, you know, There's a lot of talented writers, singers, creators, creatives, artists that aren't able to sustain that, and so it can create some sort of scarcity and and, and fear inside. And so the ability to trust that one can create and create a living... Mm -hmm. What's your relationship to that? Can you speak to that for those that might be kind of navigating that?
1: Well, the truth is that not every creative will make a career out of their creativity. It's just the truth. It's just how the world operates. It's how it's just how the world works is that sometimes that creativity is what you do as your main passion but you supplement it by working a job that brings money into your life. And you can separate those two things and you can prioritize them accordingly. Yes, everyone wants to make a living out of doing what they love. And I've been blessed to be able to do that. And I feel very grateful that I've been able to do that. But I wouldn't stop writing if I didn't make money out of it because writing began as a journey for me to understand myself and to give myself a voice. And that's something I will do till the last breath I take. And I, I don't just do it for the money. I don't just do it because I can sell books. It's my way of healing. It's my way of living through this world. So for anyone trying to make a name for themselves or trying to get more people to know about their work, just remember that the work is what's important. It It's not, if your end goal is, is solely on or fixated on reaching more people or getting more followers or making more money, then you've lost the genuine reason that you began that creativity or began putting it into words or into art or into music or whatever it is and then it loses it loses the the joy that it brings you or that it once brought you yes you deserve to be compensated for your art you deserve to be compensated for your creativity but don't let that lack of compensation for it diminish it and diminish the value that it has just If you love doing something, continue to do it. And if it means that, like I said, that you have to get a job where you tell yourself for eight hours a day, I'm going going to do something that is going to supplement my life as I enjoy my art and my creativity. That's great. That's beautiful. Many people do that. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. When I first started writing, I was still teaching. I was still... And I I still go back to teaching every once in a while because I enjoy doing that too. And if one day I don't make as much money as I make through writing, I will, I'm not going to sit there and say, why is this happening? And,
0: and you
1: know what I mean? I, I'm going to continue writing and I will do what it takes to make sure that the Authenticity in my writing isn't jeopardized by me constantly trying to make more money out of it.
0: Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, and I think in in that, in what you said, I really sense that there's there's much more of a freedom, you know, to just to express yourself and express Absolutely. what's true, mm-hmm. uh, rather than trying to sort of seek validation or get something from one's writing. And so, um, yeah, it's powerful. Powerful.
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: As your writing sort of got into the world and touched many lives, and yeah, for all intents and purposes, you started to become a success. Um, Was there anything about success that surprised you or that you found when you achieved a level of success that perhaps you wanted is a misconception about that people tend to have, that they think about success?
1: Um, I mean, I wouldn't say it surprised me, but maybe that's just how I'm feeling in the moment right now. But Mm. I think many people think that this is easy. They think that that's it. You're at a point where you have a massive social media following and all you have to do is just put out posts and people like them and people go buy (laughs) your books and they don't see the journey it took to even build a name for yourself. And they don't see the amount of effort that goes into being present with everything that you're doing and like continuing to carry the responsibility for helping so many people feel heard and understood and making sure that you're doing that in a way that doesn't jeopardize your authenticity with yourself. Like I'm not minimizing how difficult any other job is. I love what I do. I love like, to me, I, I would rather spend the rest of my life doing this than do anything else but that doesn't take away from it being real work of you know like it's 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 actual work of the mind and the soul and the heart and there's a lot of emotional labor that's involved and that was that's one thing that not just was is still to this moment I I have to I feel at certain points that there are people who want that kind of explanation or they they feel like they have the right to speak in a way that that is intended to make me feel like what I do is is mm. you know it's not that big it's not that important it's easy and it's not I wish yeah. that people would see that yeah
0: how do you deal with 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 you know, because your work does touch people, and you know, someone reads your words, reads your stories, reads your your thoughts and your your inspiration. And um, how do you deal with the sense or feeling of responsibility that comes with impacting people? Right? People look to you for guidance, social media, your books, you know, mm-hmm. lectures. And there is a level of responsibility that comes with that. And, and how do you navigate that for yourself? Because I think sometimes we we can feel, it, it, it can feel like a burden sometimes for some folks. So what's your relationship to that? What are your thoughts?
1: I think I used to carry a lot more responsibility for helping people as much as I could. But mm. now that I've seen from my own experience that no one can really save me, but myself, and no one can really do the work for me, but myself, Mm. I do have a level of confidence that I am putting out there as much as I need to be putting. And the rest of the responsibility of healing is on the person who's consuming that content. So um, it's definitely difficult to read many comments where people share their stories and because I carry them with Mm -hmm. me, but I have to be very intentional with not carrying them for too long. So Mm -hmm. just being aware of the kind of toll it takes on me and making sure that I have boundaries for myself with that is very important. Yeah,
0: for sure. For sure. If there were three If you were to reflect on your life and everything Mm -hmm. you've been through, ups, downs, relationships, successes, failures, Mm -hmm. um, and if you were to sort of extract three of the most important life lessons that you feel, if you were to feel that these life lessons were the most important that you've learned that would evolve the consciousness of the next generation the most, I'd love for you to just... So we begin wrapping up, share your three key wisdoms uh, with, with those listening.
1: Mm. I never really thought about this question, but I will say what comes to mind right mm-hmm. now. I would say, be aware of your beliefs about yourself and be aware of patterns of abandoning yourself to be welcomed by others. You will be shocked at the number of behaviors that you will catch yourself doing out of just wanting to be accepted and to fit in into someone else's life or into a different place. So have that awareness of yourself. Um, that's, that's going to lead you to a place where you realize that self-abandonment is never the answer. Um, it leads you away from yourself. Uh, The second thing I would say is begin the journey to building your home within as soon as you can, because the more time you spend seeking that feeling of home in others, the more you'll lose track of who you are and of how you should be living your life, which is from a place of authenticity and from a place of not leaving yourself to be welcomed by others and from a place of fully believing that you are your home. And the third thing I would say is understand that just because change is difficult, it doesn't mean that it's not the right thing to do. Just because making that decision is difficult, it doesn't mean that you use that difficulty as an excuse to not make that decision. If you operate from a place of allowing your fear to control what you do with your life, then you will live a life that is extremely inauthentic, that is full of suffering and full of it, seeing your potential and never really reaching it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Folks, you heard it, three powerful keys to life. Um, I want you to assign uh, a simple, short homework assignment that everyone that's listening in could, let's say, immediately do, act on practice that could just help them in some small way what's what's one thing that someone could go and do right now as a practice
1: well this is not going to help you in a small way it's going to help you in a big way Mm. but you have to be very ready for it it's sit down and ask yourself who am i that's it ask yourself who am i yeah authentically who am i and write it down Because many people don't know who they are. That's going to propel you on a journey to figure out who you are and to figure out why you're at this age in your life, whatever age it is, whatever stage it is, and you still don't know who you are. So I'm going to leave you with a very open-ended assignment.
0: Just a small question to wrap up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Awesome, folks. You heard it. The homework assignment. Ask yourself the question, who am I? What's the best website uh, that people can connect with you? I, I really want people to connect with you and your work and find out more about your yeah. books and what you're up to. I know you have some some amazing books, folks. If you haven't read Welcome Home, uh, it's a great book. And uh, the book of healing also. And uh, Thank you. Ch- check out all of Nezha Zebian's work. So what's what's the best website?
1: It's nejwazebian.com N-A-J-W-A-Z-E-B-I-A-N.com, and I'm on all social media platforms. You can find me under at so you'll find everything there is to know about me. All of my books are available wherever books are sold, and um, I have a podcast, Stories of the Soul, that you can listen to where I speak about The first two seasons are forgiveness and authenticity. So if you're looking for more content on that, that's where you can listen to it.
0: Awesome. Thanks for coming on. Thoroughly love the conversation and lots to marinate on and chew on and brew on. And uh, everyone told you this was going to be a great episode. Sit with the question. (laughs) Who am I? Just I? Just a small question to marinate on that will take you on a deep deep dive within yourself Uh, check out all of uh, Nezra's work her amazing books we'll put all of uh, the links to her website in the show notes so check that out also do me a favor everyone send me an email kublaxon at kublaxon.com I want to hear some of your key takeaways from today's episode Uh, write a review download it and share it with everyone in your life until next week love now Nezra, thank you so much. Big hugs. Keep inspiring people. Thank you. Right back at you. Love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook,